To Beyond the Void or podcast. That's right. It's episode 265. And today we're going to be bringing you some deep dive movies that uh, a lot of horror fans probably don't know of or have seen. But these are the ones that uh, people find at the bottom of the bins and uh, or can't find them anymore or just, you know, never heard of them, period. So these are some pretty underground movies. One that was given us as a gift and one that was not uh, what we actually picked up on sale here recently. So we're going to be talking about The Strangeness from 1985, a story that is of creatures, sort of slasher-esque 80s film that was made on nothing, pretty much. And we have another movie that's sort of like that, too, that has creatures. Both of these creatures, by the way, have tentacles. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And this one's called There's Nothing Out There from 1991. And that is a movie that was given to us by Slade Shepard, who is one of the hosts of the SOBs who love SOV on YouTube. You can always go find them. I'll put a link down below. Thank you so much for giving this to the podcast for us to watch. I was going to do it on YouTube, but it's a little bit harder because when you do older movies, you have to kind of like show what you're talking about. (laughs) And like it is, you know, I don't know. It's just tough, but I figured we could deep dive into it this week on uh, the show. Also, just so you know, we will be doing some uh, we're going to wait another week for the merch uh, because we came into some issues with like trying to post individual things that we were not prepared for. Because when you put up a design, it like wants to do it for all things. So uh, I we, we will get it up. We will get it up for you the next week on Monday. So if you were waiting to get like a tumbler or a pint glass, we will have those up. The tumbler is like nineteen ninety nine. Comes with like three different logos that we have. We also have the pint glass. Same thing. It's like two or three different logos so that you can uh, pick whatever works for you best. So, but also. Next week, we have some movies that we're going to be talking about. I'm not going to say what they are yet, so you have to wait till the end of the podcast. But I think we're going to be dipping into some folk horror. Shudder has this thing going on for this whole month where they have a, a ton of movies really right now that I just want to see that I have not seen. Christina pointed it out, right? Yeah. You can talk, by the way. So <laughs> I Well, you're explaining things. Yeah, right? I know. But I mean, join in just, anytime just now. Just say like, hello. Christina, I say know. hello to everybody. I know. <laughs> hello, everybody. Christina's part of the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's because I was trying to say everything at once, and I couldn't say it right because my brain is like a fog lately, but... <clears throat> Right. We were looking at Shutter's list and there's just a ton of movies on there that they dumped on there that I've never seen. 
And I'm not exactly a big folk horror fan, so it's going to be interesting to kind of like dive into some of these movies and and check them out. So I hope you guys will join us. If you have a subscription to Shudder, you can go along with us. This next week, we're going to pick out the two movies that we're going to talk about. And then the following week, we're going to, this Wednesday, we're going to have you guys pick for the following week what two movies that we're going to watch. So we just ask that you write to us on the thing. We'll put it up on one of our social medias, like on Twitter, we'll put it up on Reddit, and we'll put it up on every social media. Anywhere, Facebook, you know, we'll put it up so that you guys can fill it in and let us know what you want under the shutter category. So it's, it's, they just dumped a whole bunch of them in there. But yeah, so that way uh, it's kind of interesting. Do something different a little bit. It seems like some of them are very supernatural, very satanic stuff. So it just happens to be in a period piece time for a lot of them. Uh-huh. which I am not ultra fond of because I feel it's a very dissociative. Like I cannot wrap my head around what it was like to be in the 1800s. Right. So like, you know, it's just a, it's like an era that I just would never You have no interest in. Whatsoever. Yeah, it just doesn't make <laughs> me feel like I'm a part of that film. You know, like it would be me in that situation, but it, some, some movies get away with it. It makes me think of how advanced we've become. Oh yeah. You, know, you always think about time. like cell phones when you're watching old 80s movies and stuff too. Oh, don't jump in the pool oh, your phone. Yeah, you're going to get your phone wet. <laughs> <laughs> That's like stuff we do now because like, you know, you're like, you can't do that. You can't be free. <laughs> <laughs> We're attached to those damn things. But uh, yeah. So how are you doing, Christina? How's everything going with you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm uh, sick a little bit. It kind of sucks. What do you mean sick? Not COVID sick. Don't worry. Jesus We've already Christ. tested it out. But I've been sick for a couple of weeks now. You got bronchitis. Something. And I think it's just because I have really bad allergies. And you smoke. And I smoke. But I, and I'm, I'm more so it's because my allergies dripping into my chest. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm sleeping and. And you refuse to take Sudafed. Yeah, well, I won't take Sudafed because it makes me fucking tripped out. Yeah, I would not but, get anything done. I would just stare at the wall and think it's amazing. But your nose won't drip down into your chest if you take I'm not food. very productive when I'm feeling like I'm out of my mind. So, yeah, I don't feel like taking Sudafed. Thanks. You can if you want, but I'm not going to oh, take I it. Oh, I do. When my nose is running and then it stops running. Great. But hours. you know there what? You I do not like how it makes me feel. I'm not I'm not taking it. Well, then you suffer. I don't like any kind of decongestant at all. It trips me out, man. Like I feel, I'm like hypersensitive to it, Christina. So, yeah, so we've been uh, kind of just like hanging tight. Um, I've been trying to get some videos up on YouTube, but it did not work out this week that well. Didn't have that much to, to, to review, honestly, but I do have a haul that I want to do for you guys. And um, we got a couple of shows that are coming up here. A couple of movies that I'm going to be renting to check out that are within the realm of horror. So we'll have that on there. I am planning to hopefully do an interview with somebody here soon. I wrote to them. I've not heard back yet, but fingers crossed. Usually is 90% chance that we usually get them. So we'll have somebody to speak on the YouTube for that. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to do some different things. Um, I've been thinking about streaming on YouTube as well, but I don't know if, if Twitch will allow me. So I have to look into that further. Why would they allow you? Because you are there, like, you know. Well, then why don't you cancel it and just go to YouTube? Cancel it. <laughs> why don't you quit? And then, uh, well, yeah, I mean, we have a great group of people that come on Twitch, but it has been a little quiet lately, so. They would go to YouTube. I'm sure they would. But, yeah, I think it might be that time. What time is it? Horror shots!
All right, guys. So this week, Christina kind of came up with an idea. She picked uh, the movie that we would be doing the shot for, and that is for There's Nothing Out There. So there's this creature in the movie, and he's like all green and slimy. Right. So I wanted to do a green shot. So we have half Midori and half triple sec. Correct. Right? And that's it. And I can't do the shot because, you know, I'm on a whole 30. Right. So it's all you. It's all Which, you. Yeah. That's the uh, the name of the shot, by the way, since she's speeding me along here. <laughs> oh, what is it? The name? It's called There's Nothing In There. <laughs> that's so And there's funny. a quote in the movie that they say when he's like, she's like, there's nothing out there. And when so when you take this shot. You have to say, there's there's nothing in there. Famous last words. That's correct. That's what they say. All right. Yep. Let's, let's try it out. Is it good? Nah. <laughs> Not at all. It's like orange and melon. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah? Yeah. Oof. Fuck strong? me. Was it strong? Oh. Was it strong? Yeah, it's just not, it's not real appealing. Like, there's two different flavors that combat each other. I read those flavors are supposed to be good together. Maybe if you had ice and a, and, a, and a, some salsa yeah, water. Fucked it up. Fucked it up. Uh, it's okay. I it's not. It's it not the. It's not the worst thing. It's just. Eh. I wouldn't want to take a second one of that. In other words. Okay. <laughs> but that's okay. We're drinking the slime from a monster, so it's not supposed to taste good, right? Right. Right. <laughs> but if you would not like to try one of our shots, all you have to do is go to <laughs> longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section now. That's it for horror shots. All right, guys. So now we're going to jump into our flesh and potatoes, a.k.a. our reviews, spoiler-free first, and then spoilery after of The Strangeness from 1985 and There's Nothing Out There, 1991. Right now. Christina did the work on the strangeness, so you want to tell us all about that one? Yes, I will. A group of explorers surveying an abandoned gold mine are trapped in a cave and find themselves at the mercy of a slimy, mysterious creature. Hence, the, you know, the slimy. No, that's not. It's a different slime. movie. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I forgot. Sorry. Do you anyway, want to redo the whole thing? Or? No, that was funny. Okay. Um, tagline, where most nightmares end, the strangeness begins. Interesting. Yes. This was directed and written by Melanie Ann Phillips, formerly David Michael Hillman, uh, who she also directed a movie called Brothers of the Wilderness from 1984. And that was about it. Uh, also written by Chris Huntley, who, who actually played Tony in the movie. Okay. And he has directed three movies from the late 70s uh, called Gravesite, The End. And Daddy Gone Hunting. Daddy Gone Hunting. Daddy Gone Hunting. <laughs> All right. The, okay, so most of the actors in this movie um, didn't really go on to do anything else. But I'll just kind of quickly. There's a couple who've done stuff, but I'll just quickly go through it really quick. Okay, ready? Uh, Dan Lunham, who plays Jeff. This was his only movie. Terry Bernland, who plays Cindy. She was also in a movie called Pink Motel and Hard Time on Planet Earth. Hmm. Rolf Thiessen, who plays Myron, only movie. Mark Sawatsky, Sawiski, who plays Dan, is actually a visual effects cinematographer 
who has worked on movies such as Terminator, X-Men, The Skeleton Key, mm. Dark Knight Rises, like a whole shit ton. Well, yeah, there's a big team, yeah. usually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For especially for that kind of stuff, you know. Right. But Ter- Terminator 2 had pushed the boundaries when it came to... Uh, Oh, yeah, special effects. Special effects at the time. There was stuff that they were doing that was so far ahead that <laughs> people today had a hard time replicating it. So, All right, the budget for this movie, $25,000. Yeah, which is amazing. Is it? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> what did you think of this film, Alex? Well, I this is one of those movies that it is not a... Great film, okay? This is for people who have kind of exhausted their libraries and are looking for, you know, to see what people can do on a budget and kind of like, this is their first film. This is like a bunch of kids coming together and putting together a film. Kind of like Evil Dead did, you know, but maybe not as successful. Like nowhere near as successful. But in the same regard, there is a lot of passion and heart and people that were, you know, as the director said, put had stars in their eyes to become somebody. They didn't have the jadedness of the world around them in order to stop them from making whatever they want. And she said that this was probably the best example of letting you know that you can achieve things that you want to do if you really try. She said, it's not a good movie, <laughs> but, you know, I think it's a, it's actually got, we did some pretty good photography in here. So I think that kind of sums it up a little bit for there. But as far as my opinion on this, this is a very slow film. It has some pretty decent ideas that are tucked into it with some of the music that I do agree actually is pretty good in this film. Uh, not always, um, but there are some moments that they threw in. Apparently, some of the music is from the distribution company and some of it is from the or, or production company when they were editing it together. And some of it was from the original people that they were going to get. There's like some banjo stuff that they had in the movie, but there was also some like synth stuff in the movie as well. Yeah, it was kind of all over the place. Now, this movie wasn't didn't come out in 85 necessarily. Like they had made it years before, I think, and then it got distribution and stuff like that. So you doing all right, Murray? <laughs> he started choking or something. He's all right. He's just being neurotic. But yeah, I, I don't know. This is a very it's about a bunch of kids. Well, a group of, of adults that go into a cave. This cave has a creature that lives inside. It is claymation, by the way, (laughs) because that's what you did when you didn't have the ability to be able to do the kind of stuff on screen like we can do in the late 80s and 90s and stuff like that. They didn't have access to it, so they did what they could with claymation, which might take away from some of the atmosphere, I think, from a lot of people. There is a lot of long sections of talking and It's weird. I was explaining this to Christina when we were watching it. They go into this cave. All of the characters seem it's weird. Like it's it's hard to explain because it feels like like when you think of movies that are being made today, there's a lot of kids that grew up on the 80s movies and then they make movies in the future that are based off their favorite movies when they were growing up. Like Stranger Things. Right. So that's why you see 80s being so popular is because that was a decade that a lot of people were inspired to make film and probably got them to make movies. So this movie is one of those movies that was probably inspired by like late 50s, early 60s type fucking films. And then they went out and decided to make a film in the 80s that kind of mirrored that. A lot of the characters are very much so like that. The way... 
it's like there's morals and shit in this movie which are just really odd like there's these discussions between characters that are sleazy and good people when they're in this survival we got to survive kind of thing and they have these moments of like like you would hear on a radio station like don't do this because you know i don't know what you what do they call those uh PSAs? PSAs, public service announcements, mm-hmm. tucked into this movie like over and over and over again. And it's kind of odd. Like the characters aren't necessarily too bad. You know, you got the the, the pretty girls and then the smart girl and then you got the, 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 the journalist guy who's super nerdy. You've got this drunken uh, Irish Australian <laughs> Englishman. I couldn't figure out what the fuck that guy was. I swear to God, his voice and his accent changed quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. I always thought bloke meant Australian, right? Like, isn't that? I, I, I don't know. Bloke means gentleman, guy. Oh, but I don't know which country that's a slang. In. Australia. Oh, okay. That's what I've always considered it as. But I mean, I guess they may say it other words. But his Irish, he would like have Irish accent one minute, Australian the next. I thought he might have been Kiwi for a minute. Like, I don't, I couldn't figure it out. And and maybe he was an Englishman and they were like, oh, you could just do it. You know, Australian accent. No problem. Because we're stupid Americans. Wait, so. is it an Australian? Wouldn't they use the mate? La, 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 mate. Good day, mate. Yeah, but have you ever been to a fucking... Uh, I don't remember bloke. Maybe have you ever been to the Outback? The steakhouse? Yeah. <laughs> the Bloomin' Onion? Yeah, they have blokes. Oh, on the, the door for the bathroom. Yeah, that's why oh, I say that. Okay, okay, that makes sense. But it could be an English thing. I don't know. Let me I look it up. Know. Let's see. Behold the power of Google. Oh, it is a British slang. And it's also Australian slang. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so there's no knowing what this guy's speaking. <laughs> but it, it, there's literally some potential in this movie to kind of spice it up if you want to watch it. And I was thinking, like, we could watch it. Like, if you wanted to play a drinking game with this game, you could drink. Because that guy literally drinks in this movie every, like, couple of minutes. Every time he speaks. Dude, I'm like, dude, he needs, like, to refill that bottle because it's gone. He's probably drinking his piss. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Taking some Viagra. They got us. They got us what? Well, they they were stuck in there for so long. I mean, they couldn't, like... (laughs) How, you know, well, yeah, they get caved in with this creature. But the funny thing is the people in the beginning of the movie get killed off like at the entrance. So that doesn't make any sense. And these these new characters, they keep going further and further and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. They get a cave in. They get stuck. And it's it's, you know, there's some scenes where they get attacked by the creature, which is a little silly. Uh, ultimately, it's very dark. And I heard that the original actual print that was on VHS, you could barely see anything. I bet. And it was dark as it was when we were watching it on this at 1080p. It was super dark. Right. And this is from Code Red. This is the Blu-ray from Code Red, if you guys are curious about it. It is up on uh, Prime, if you want to watch it, for part of the subscription. Uh, it is a very slow burn, very supposedly atmospheric movie that I just wasn't too fond of, to be honest. I can see the potential. They did have some good shots in the film they made the cave look realistic even though it was in their garage you know it was definitely not paper mache but tinfoil by the way tinfoil yeah like painted i'll talk about that okay but yeah it's it's a it's a homegrown movie of a bunch of kids that wanted to go out and make a fucking movie and they did it and they did it and there's something to be said about that there's something inspiring about that and that's why i like watching some of these films because it gets me to be want to be creative and get out there and do it because if they could do it 
Right. Even you if it's not, it. even if it's a movie or a, a thing that somebody did creatively that you don't like, that's what inspires people sometimes. They're like, well, I could do that. And then they go out and make it. They learned as they were going, you know? So, you know, it's just an interesting kind of film that doesn't really deliver on a whole lot. It, it does have a tentacly monster in it, but there's no man in a suit that is walking around, which I'd almost prefer because I felt so disconnected from the claymation kind of thing because we never saw the people with the creature really just like a tentacle wrap around their leg or something like that with reverse photography. And they did a good job for what they had. I mean, for $25,000, I mean, they did a pretty good job. There was a lot, a lot of characters that were killed off and things like that. So, uh, some funny dialogue though, between the characters, I would say, like we were kind of like, why is this in here? Right. <laughs> like, why are they like Good acting spots. like this and having this conversation? Like, it just seems ultra unrealistic and something that would probably be in a '60s movie. Like, that's why I say they. It was like they were trying to make a movie from their from the late '50s or six early '60s, mm-hmm. and they had a you know this movie and this is what they wanted it to do. But yeah, not my favorite movie. I'd probably give this like a four out of ten. I appreciate what they did with it and what they had. Uh, I wasn't expecting too much out of it anyway, but it's going to be a definite no for a lot of people when they watch it. It's going to be very slow and it could be like a two or three for most people. But I think there's, I think they did well with what they did and the lighting and everything looks so much better in the 1080p version. So what about you, Christina? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, slow is an understatement on this one. There's some funny stuff that happens, but yeah, it was a real. Oh, but especially the beginning was like it was it was pretty tough. I mean, the creature and the claymation was pretty amazing. I yeah, they made that. it look like it was part of the of the the set. Mm-hmm. It was good, like practical effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you could see it, when you could see when you could see it. But overall, yeah, it was just too dark. Uh, some of the shots, the sh- some of the shots were creative, like when you pointed them out to me. Right, like they were shooting I, up or down. Yeah, or... I wouldn't have noticed otherwise. Um, you have to get creative in that kind of environment anyway, because it's such a closed and sp- like in, like space that you you know it's hard to shoot in something like that. It really is. But you made some like good points about like the writing, like because yeah, you could tell it was. It was that kind of tropey 60s mm-hmm. with the characters and you did a good character breakdown. So, yeah, I, oh, it wasn't really worth it. I mean, good for them. They made a movie. Did it feel know, like they were in a cave you. the whole time, though? It, Didn't feel like they were in a garage to me. I don't me. know. It, it was just too dark. It, I don't know. Is that a cave? <laughs> well, they're, they're it wasn't cave. like The Descent. <laughs> like, it didn't no, feel like fuck the no. That's from fucking 2000s. Jesus Christ. That had like a, a, a couple million else. dollars. <laughs> I gave it a 2 out of 10. Okay. Just for the practical effects. You know, yeah, the music was like all over the place. Yeah. Weird. But. I don't know. There's something about it that I admire. So I don't hate it. Uh, it wasn't if if I knew it was not as good as this, I probably wouldn't have picked it up. Right. But you know, it's not bad. I don't know. It's just you have to have a really very unique taste for movies for this kind of thing. You got to look at it as like, hey, my friend made this. Let me take a look right. at it. You know what I mean? And and you, it's more about the nostalgia of of people who like to watch these kind of movies who dream about making movies. It's kind of one of those, you have to be kind of one of those people. Right. I wish the, never mind, I'll save for spoilers. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so two. So this movie gets a three out of ten. Out from both of us. Which can't win them all. You know, not just because it's an '80s movie doesn't mean it's going to be something that you love. But yeah, it was kind of a. It wasn't that much of a slog to get through for me. So I mean, the lowest I would go is three point five, just because. But yeah, it was hard for me. Really, this one was hard for me. On the S big scale, it's definitely low. Yeah. So, but that's why I said on a four because seen a lot worse. But good for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> we do have some trivia and we do have some spoiler thoughts that we're gonna give on this movie. So if you don't want anything spoiled, of course, you can go watch this movie on Prime and check it out for yourself and then come back and then check out what we thought about it in the spoilers section, as well as some of the trivia, which I've already exposed some of that anyway. But if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So the director said that it that the opening scene was shot without permission <laughs> and it was at a real mine. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was called the Red Rover Mine. And after about a month of them shooting their scenes because they went down in the, the cave oh, shit. or into the mine rather. And as you know, like they were talking about it in the movie too, about gases and stuff like that. Yeah. That shit's real. That's why they have, you ever heard of the canary where they carry oh, the canary through? Yeah. Because the canary takes faster breaths mm-hmm. and it's a smaller thing. So if it dies, that means that there's gas and they need to get out and you need to get out. Yeah. It's fucked up. That's why they call it a canary in the mine. Um, but about a month after shooting their scenes, some of the real life miners, they were some people that decided to maybe reopen the mine because of that, because they went down in there. It just kind of sparked in their ideas. And they went in deeper than the film crew had and died from poison gas exposure. Oh, my God. So the, the director was like, yeah, we did that. <laughs> I was like, wow. You killed those people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, man. A lot of the synthesizer music that they added in the movie was, like I said, the distributor actually put in because um, I think the director was not available at the time to be able to sit and actually do the editing process mm-hmm. like a lot of directors would. So they kind of just handed it off and the distributor stepped in and said, we're going to add this to it. Oh, OK. So most of the scenes that you're seeing in the movie with the cave or the mine, whatever, they don't really... They say cave and mine, so it's really confusing Mm -hmm. because, like, I I don't really understand, but I guess it's a cave, even though it's a mine. Doesn't make sense to me. Uh, But this whole group is going down there in to find gold and shit like that to see if they're going to redo it or whatever. But the entire, most of the shots that we saw look like kind of like paper mache on the walls, but they use black spray paint on top of tinfoil in their grandparents' garage and backyard. That's so creative. They, so they built this entire set in their backyard and in the garage. Mm-hmm. And certain scenes, they had to move pieces around and stuff and mm-hmm. shoot from different angles just to make it look like they were in the cave, which I think is pretty admirable. They did a good job of that. You know? Like, right. it, it really did look like... Yeah, because you kept questioning it, too. You're like, that's paper mache Or maybe that's not paper mache I was like, maybe that's slate maybe rock. That's... I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> um... I did mention the stop motion animation for the, the, the tentacle creature. They named it Binky, by the way. They named it. How cute. <laughs> Probably because he had his, a, a pussy mouth or whatever. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> that's remember? right. The vagina face. Yeah, he was like, oh, I could probably fuck that. The look on his face oh and he God. started laughing. <laughs> oh, my God. But you couldn't really tell what size it was because it, everything, every time it shot on it, it kind of looked like a miniature. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of. 
But I don't know. You know, it's just the old school way of doing things. So. Right. They didn't even finish the script while they were shooting. So they had to oh, like. You can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, just so they were just adding stuff in as they were going, you know, just to kind of oh. like. Oh, is that like the one part when he hit the fuck out of her? <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> you go make a movie, okay? You try to see how hot it is. Huh? No, I don't need to. I watch them. They said that this was their best. They had the best time, even though there was a lot of problems and troubleshooting that they had to do, which, you know, when you're doing a project with anybody, it's, it's always something you learn to, like, overcome. Right. You just get it done. Right. You don't think about it. You don't right. whine about it. You just get it done. Because the more you whine about it, the less it's going to get done. And the longer it will take. Yep. So you try to get it done as quick as you can so you can get the sets and everything like that. And you hope that the people that you've hired for nothing are going to basically come back the next day. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a nightmare. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the trivia. There wasn't a whole lot on this one. Um, it did seem like the people who made it were actually really cool, though. There's, like, multiple different interviews with some of the production, the the, the director, and uh yeah did you have any scenes that you wanted to kind of bring up that we could talk about i did i liked that first scene it was a couple and they were up like going to the mine even though it was dark as fuck oh yeah that was, they did the whole daylight nighttime look yeah but it, it was weird it, they didn't filter it right or something i don't know well it's back in the 80s so that was a technique that they use they right. still use today actually they just make it look like it's nighttime, even though it was shot in the sunlight. Right. Yeah. Right. You're talking about the two couple that go in there to blow up the mine? Yeah. They go in there to blow it up, and then the thing pops out. Which they never explained why they go in to blow it up. Yeah, they didn't. They were like, they made it seem like they were on a date or something. Like They were hired by were somebody, and he yeah. was like, she was like, shouldn't we take a look at it first before we just blow it up? Like, maybe there's somebody in there. And then the guy, the guy goes in, and then he comes across like a cross- like it's a like it's a grave or something like in the cave, right? And then he goes to remove the cross. I'm like, why the fuck? It looks like a grave. Why would you remove a gravestone? <laughs> it always makes the me think of the Goonies. Like, uh, God put that there, and I don't <laughs> think he wanted you to move. It. <laughs> That's when the bats fly out. Remember? Right. Um, there was this really weird scene because like they're all hired to go on this thing. They're all sitting down, and there's, of course, that, that dynamic where the, the handsome guy, I call him the handsome guy just because he's the typical stereotype handsome guy in these movies where he's always, like, there's a couple, like, that are together. There's, like, three couples, and, like, isn't there or something like that? I don't know. I got confused. Anyway, there's this blonde-haired girl, which we kept making jokes at in the middle of the movie because, you know, it's kind of stereotypical, like, you know, they kill the fucking smart girl in the movie right away. And it's like, we're like, oh, of course. She didn't have blonde hair, so we're just going to go ahead and kill the smart woman who's the geologist or whatever. Right. Because she won't put out. Right, exactly. That's but, exactly what it was. But there's the handsome guy trying to hit on the blonde hair girl, and the blonde hair girl's with this dorky journalist who wants to, like, make everything sound, like, fantastical. So he's, like, got this recorder that looks like a fucking <laughs> a CB radio that he puts up to his face and he's recording it and he's like we're at the cave we're at the entrance the mouth of hell as we walk into its interior you know and he's like he's saying podcasting yeah like and every chance that he's like nerding out he's always trying to like mac on the fucking blonde hair girl so they make that like this thing throughout the whole fucking movie and like he's kind of a douchebag but they have this moment in the film where they're like 
he keeps trying to hit on the girl. And then he, all of a sudden, like when they get trapped and, and a cave in happens, he starts losing his mind and starts freaking out. And he's like, look, man, the, the journalist guy whose girlfriend the guy keeps hitting on. He's like, look, man, I don't know about you, but I sort of love that girl. And I think that we need to stick together so that she can survive. And then he's like, all right, what do you want me to do to help? And he's like, I want you to apologize to the man that you pushed down, the supervisor. And it's like he just pushed him a little bit. And he just kind of fell over. It wasn't like a. It isn't like you, you hit her across the face and she. Oh, they, that's later. That's but I'm talking later, about the supervisor. Right. He pushes him down. And and then he's like, I want you to apologize to him. And so that he walks over like an eight year old, like, fine. I'm sorry I pushed you down. Is there anything I can do to help? And he's like, yeah, I'm in charge still. And then he's like, fine. And then the guy smiles. <laughs> and, then, and then the fucking journalist guy comes up behind the, the guy who just apologized and pats him on the back. And he's like, that's a good boy. And <laughs> I'm like, what is going on in this dialogue right now that they're having this oh conversation? Gosh. Like, this is like, we're talking five, ten minutes of the movie, guys. Yeah. And it's just, like, so out of place. And there was this really, really bad joke. This horrible egg. It was an egg joke. You're going to have um, to tell it. Oh, that's when the fucking drunk Irish English Australian guy. Yeah, he's, like, explaining um, about why the mo- the mine is, like, haunted or whatever because these these native Indians used to... I know the joke specifically. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, you say okay. it. Okay, so he, the journalist guy, and this is before they enter the cave, he's like, so do you know the stories that surround this cave? I've heard some people talking about the natives and how this is sacred land and they didn't want white people on it. And he was like, well, I don't blame them. And he's like, I don't blame them either. And uh, he said, well, you see, a bunch of whites decided to go uh, and exploring around and trying to do things that they shouldn't have done. And... Uh, He's like, and then the Indians scared off the whites to get them off the land. And all they were left with is yokes. And I was like, dude, it took me loading a, sec- a shotgun. Yeah, oh, I was like, Christina oh, Christina was God. like, where did Alex go? He's loading a <laughs> Dude, it took me. I had to think about that, too. I, I did, like, too, because I was I not was expecting like, it. Yokes. He does this what? like two or three times in the movie, by the way. Yeah, these just these off putting. They're jokes very that- dad jokes, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he's getting drunk the whole fucking time, which he never fucking slurs a fucking word at all in this movie. Right. And I was hoping he would be one of the last people to survive. Right. Me, too. Because he was probably the most interesting character out of all of them, other than the journalist guy. Um, the supervisor is kind of like a this connivy little like weaselly guy, you know, and like they find some gold, like gold ingot. Ingot is pressed gold. If you don't know what that is, it's not raw material gold where they before they melt it down because they got to get the impurities out of it because it sometimes has like, you know, other pieces in it. So they melt it down. They separate the gold from from the other, and then they press it into metal ingot. Well, there was a piece of ingot on the ground, and he and he's like, "Hey, wait a second, that's uh, company property." Um, yeah, we're on the job right now, so that's company property. I'll handle that. And I'm like, "Sure, you will, pal." And then he sits there for like two minutes. The camera's on him, and he's like, "Yes, my precious." Mm. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, "What is going on here?" Um. So they go to deeper in the mine. The jailish woman gets killed. The monster jumps up in claymation and kills her, causing a collapse. That's where that, that the happens. The cave-in happens. Yeah. Then there's, uh, 
they find a body under the rubble, which they excuse away by some sort of like resting acid that might be on another layer of the cave that they use to sandblast or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that makes scientific sense. He's like, well, maybe it pulled up and dripped on them and melted them because the monster had suckled on them until they were melted. Mm-hmm. Dan, the writer, the journalist guy, wanders off in the middle of the night because, you know, he figured this was the worst idea he could possibly have. And he pays for it by a vagina claymation monster suckling on him uh, under some boards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's where they find, I think, his body or something like that. The um, Irish, English, Australian guy is like telling him, don't go down to the third level. I won't go there. He's like, but we have to because there is no other place that's to go. That's the only way out. He's like, that's where the beast is. That's where the beast is. Um, the vagina hand- face. That's where vagina face is. That's where vagina face well, is. He doesn't say that. <laughs> he just calls it the heart of the beast. Whatever. But then the handsome guy says he's going to find Dan since he since Dan was the nice guy and taught him all about being good to to his supervisor and everything like that, because he turns like suddenly like a good guy, except for he punches out the fucking blonde haired girl with a closed fist punch to the face. It was horrible. (laughs) I was like, what the and she didn't have a black eye or anything. I'm like, what the hell? That was sort of like, like knocked her out. <laughs> dude, the dude. way he hit her, I thought she was going to come up with like a fucking, just like a rocky looking face. Yeah, and like half her fucking head bashed in. Jesus. That would have been more realistic, I think. There's a scene where the, the Aussie Australian English guy loses his torch down a crack in the floor somehow. And, it get, and he gets grabbed by the monster and then they they later find him and like what it's doing is it's like skeeting all over their faces and shit and melting them down before it eats it. So mm-hmm. it like kind of suckles on them to get the slime on it that melts them down, which is funny because the other movie that we watched has very similar yeah. methods of killing each other. It's like that both the creatures do this, mm-hmm. which I thought was really weird, but it, yeah, it looks like semen. <laughs> it really does. And they have it all over their mouths and shit, <laughs> which was pretty fucking funny. Um, there was that scene though, wasn't it, where he was on the ground? He was wasn't there someone stuck in a, in the ceiling or something like that? I don't remember. Oh, that's what it was. When before they find Dan all melted, he's melted to the ceiling. This was a good scene that I liked because he's like he finds like a a femur on the ground with all that like white skeet all over the fucking thing. Oh, remember? Okay. The, and then the all of a sudden he sees over. something dripping down on his hat and his helmet. Right. And it's maggots. And then he like looks up and it's fucking Dan fucking hanging from the ceiling, dying. It kind of looked like the scene from the 1988 movie that hadn't come out yet. The blob where the guy has the yo-yo come down or whatever. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, he's stuck to the ceiling because the blob melted him there. And that's kind of what it looked like here. And I thought that was like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie right there. Mm-hmm. Um, th- by this time, the, the supervisor has gone a little cave crazy. He's like getting all wound up and like talking about weird shit. He like slaps the girl, the blonde hair girl, and says, "You're after my gold. I know it." And so he slams on a she slams a board on his head and knocks him the fuck out. While the the like Tony handsome guy or whatever is like crying on the ground or whatever <laughs> because he's breaking under the pressure and everything like that. And I'm like, why does everybody get split up at this point? By the way, why is everybody going their own separate ways? Like, why would you do that after everything that's happened? Wouldn't you stick together? No, because the one guy was going crazy. You you don't want him around. You want to hit him with a 
piece of wood. Right. Well, because it's a horror movie, Alex. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so the handsome guy, uh, Tony, and the blonde girl and the supervisor are alive. The supervisor comes out of up out of nowhere and strikes the Tony on the head and goes to kill the girl, but the creature grabs him with the tentacles around his body, and then like you see this whole claymation moment where the vagina is sucking on his head and like <laughs> pulling him into its vagina goodness. <laughs> but it's all claymation, but it looks cool. Like at least, like it looks like the shit we would see on what's that guy that does all the fucking claymation shit now? Only greasier. It was way greasier. I don't even know. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. But it's like sucking his body into hers, into the you know body of the fucking creature. Pretty good claymation goodness. And then, well, how, this is the part that I was a little vague on because I kind of like tuned out a little bit. But they try to escape, they, right? They, yeah, they get out and then they go back in because they want to go kill the thing and there's explosives. Oh, that's in right. There. Yeah, because they had to, they, they were yeah, like, they we, we can't just leave it like that. Yeah, exactly. So they go back in and they bring it up to explode and then boom and then they're in the water and then it's dark again and you can't see shit and then it ends yeah <laughs> not kind of anticlimactic but you know there's always a big explosion in most of the horror movies in the 80s at right. the end or something right. you know uh, at least in these two movies by the way yeah, both of these <laughs> kind of weird so but yeah i mean that's that's pretty much the movie i mean there is some pretty good uh, you know, for for it, what they did, they made the practical effects work, especially that one that on the ceiling. Probably should have mentioned in the, uh, you know, how they have a little bit of practical effects in there, because it was it was cool. Like I thought that was a really cool idea that it they have the, in there. Yeah, it was the only good thing about the movie. It's like there's some good ideas in this movie. It just doesn't make for a very congruent whole watch. Right. So, but we do have another movie that we're going to talk about. Let's and I wonder if it's it. any better than this one. Guess we'll find out. This one's called There's Nothing Out There That Slade Gave to Us from 1995. Thank Part you, Slade. Thanks, Slade. Um, this is a Vinegar Syndrome release, by the way. That You can pick it up if you want. It's got a girl with a like, creature coming out of her cheek. Um, this is also a movie that has been considered to be Kind of a, the, the earliest Scream movie that you will see. And that's fitting since it just came out. Right. It is fitting. It's yeah. kind of coincidental that we got this at around that time. So the story is when a horror film buff tries to warn his friends spending spring break in a house in the woods of impending danger, they scoff at him. That is until a huge mutant frog starts to pick them off one by one. <laughs> it was a frog. Sort of. <laughs> Um, so this movie is directed by Rolf Konevsky. He also wrote this movie. His father helped him edit it and produce it. Uh, his family was also in the industry, so they were a part of that as well. Rolf actually has directed The Bus Party to Hell, which came out a few years ago. Art of the Dead. A bunch of Emmanuel movies from the 2010. Oh, weird. Yeah, Emmanuel's were those movies, I remember. Like from the seventies and eighties, they even have the like. I want to get the one, the cannibal one, because it's like a gore exploitation sex film. Oh, and it's like cannibals. It's Emmanuel and Cannibal Land or whatever the fuck it is. But they they had all these Emmanuel movies. They were very popular for a while, and I didn't even know they continued them on in the two thousands at all. Oh wow! So he, he did some of those. Um, they're pretty heavy on sex and nudity. Uh, he also did Nightmare Man and many more. Some of the cast in this movie, like Christina, 
in her movie that she did the work on. Not a lot of work done on by these. You have Craig Peck, who plays Mike. He did nine different roles in different uh, movies. This is one of the first ones that he did. He did a movie before called Murder and Winner. He also did Passion and Romance, Double or Nothing, mm-hmm. Click, and The Erotic Misadventures of the Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have Wendy Bernard's Bednars, who plays Doreen. She's in a few things. She even directed three different things. Um, two of them, one is a, they're both like shorts on Crystal and Leaving Gussie. But she only acted in two different roles, and it was this movie and Vampires and Other Stereotypes from 94. We also have Mark Culver, who played Jim, who he's been in a few things like Barbed Wire. You know that movie with Pamela Anderson? Yeah, which they got the new Pam. Oh, and, my God. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw oh, the trailer. It looks so good. It really does look like I'm them. watching that. What's it called? Pam and Tommy? Yeah, to- Pam and Tommy. I'm watching it. But Mark Culver, who was in this movie, he was in some CSI Barbed Wire. He's done like 21 different other things, including the erotic misadventures of the Invisible Man. Uh, <laughs> pretty cool. Tomorrow by Midnight. CSI. He was in like four episodes. He plays a detective B. Evans in it. He did Days of Our Lives and some other stuff too. We also have Bonnie Bowers, who plays Stacy, who only did this movie. And also John Carhart, the second, the John Carhart, the third who plays Nick, who also did a few things himself, including one directorial, which is just a couple episodes of a thing called Daily Shot with Allie Wentworth. And he acted in Windows on the World, Rubberneck, which was a short film, Addicted, a short film, and Hairspray. He was a dancer that was uncredited. Oh, wow. But that's pretty much it for the cast. A lot of the people really didn't do too, too much more. This is a pretty... You know, this isn't a like a huge uh, notch on their bedpost for fucking acting, but a lot of people did like this movie. Christina, what did you think of this? Don't movie? you love the title of this movie? I think it's a great title. <laughs> I mean, it's probably more modern than it is for the eighties. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, but I mean it. It's a good concept. Yeah, I like the concept a lot. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I did too. Um, and I like the music. It was a little heavy on the titties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you like boobs, you're going to get plenty of Jesus this Christ. Dude. Well, he did Emmanuel, it, so go figure. Well, I don't know. Well, and especially at the beginning. So, like, at the, like, the whole beginning, probably the first, like, 45 minutes, I was really just, like, it was really off-putting to me. Right. Uh, th- there's... And then you were, like, caught in the nipple haze. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Pretty much... The entire movie, the one Titty much? What? Sorry. <laughs> i just say it again. Pretty much through the whole movie, there's one girl who's in her swimsuit the entire time. Right. <laughs> As, like, they're being chased and da-da-da. Uh, but it does pick up at the end, you know, once, you know, people start getting killed and stuff. I really liked it. I do see where John Carpenter could have watched this film. and Not John. It... You mean Wes Craven. Oh, I'm sorry. I see how Wes Craven could have watched this film and been like, oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good idea. And I can make it better. And he did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's probably something that would have come to the conclusion of many people for a while. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it was a little bit, it it was a good muse. It was like a muse film. Sure. You know, but it was a good horror comedy. Right. There was some, there was some distasteful jokes in it and stuff. 
But yeah, seven out of ten. Really? And it, and it had good music. It had a really good like background music and stuff. So you would watch this again? I would probably watch it again. Probably. What the fuck? Pro- I would For have seven to be, out of ten? I would have to be in a good mood. But I'm, yes, I would watch this again. I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I'm that high, but really? I still enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. Well, especially after that one movie we watched. Oh, yeah. It, it was a treat to watch this one after that one, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is way more paced. Uh, the jokes are not like the greatest but they're funny haha jokes you know what i mean like there's a couple of like ones in there they they kind of spin them at you a little too fast some of the characters the character mike who's like pretty much the main character who's driving it if you've seen scream he's the guy that comes out and says don't say you're gonna be right back that's what they always do in horror movies and then you die because you never come back and he's like i'll be back you know and scream Right. That's Mike is that character. Yeah, that, essentially. yeah, totally. And so it's really funny that to see the comparison to Scream. So I really I really honestly feel like there is a lot that is in this movie that is towards it. But it is not the same movie. Oh, exactly. Like there is no theft. I wouldn't say here. I think just analytical minds who would create these kind of movies would think about that when they're looking right. at, at horror movies in general, just for ideas. And I'll get more into that on the spoiler section. Say it's a muse. It's like a muse. Right. Film. I mean, when you're looking analytically at all these movies that are made and you want to make a horror movie, you're thinking about kind of stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. what are the tropes that they do? And what are they, you know what I mean? Like, how do I make this a horror movie? Yeah, and they used a frog and Scream was a slasher. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, it's a little yeah, different. It's yeah, a little he, different. I got stuff on that too, but yeah, this movie is a bunch of kids go to a cabin and get naked a lot and try to have sex a lot and get killed a lot. And there's pretty much this silly fucking creature that hops around by being dragged by wires and shit like that (laughs) and hops up on people's faces. It has face mechanics and all that other shit. They didn't chintz on that at all. Uh, They actually had a pretty decent budget and and it's not a hard watch at all. Like you can sit down and pop this on. You're not going to be blown away by it. I don't think like I wasn't blown away by it, but I thought the concept was good enough to kind of keep you going. And once it kind of it feels like the movie kind of started to pick up its stride as it went along. Right, exactly. So unlike The Strangeness, which is an, a, a, a decent concept, but just kind of boring, this really kind of delivered on it because I didn't mind. Like, the creature was involved with the killings. Like, so you could, like, see it on people and, like, what it did and stuff. And they had some pretty cool ideas that were thrown in here, too. The Mike character, by far, is, like, the most interesting character in the movie. Him running around being kind of annoying in some regards, but also being entertaining and like keeping the movie fleshed out through to point out all the tropes in real life that are happening before them. And nobody will listen to him, of course, because Mike is right and they think it's the world is not a horror movie and that he's just a nerd and doesn't have a girlfriend and trying to interrupt their sexual intercourse. <laughs> but um, yeah, some of the there's not a lot of gore in it, so to speak, but there is some, you know blood and stuff like that in there there's some weird possession shit that happens in it a lot of just silliness like it's very it is very kind of um what do you call it hokey campy campy yeah Yeah. it is it's definitely aware that it became a comedy movie i don't think 
the director intended it to be a comedy movie at first. Really? Yeah, the, he he talked about it quite a oh, bit. Oh, right, yeah. But he said he just kind of naturally came that way because that's how he is. Oh, okay. and that happens in in movies when you're like you know trying to figure it all out. They had the script done and everything beforehand, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's 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 funny, haha. It's just fun to put on in the background, like Hobgoblins is. You know, it's kind of like got that nature about it where it's just you low budget silly film that is really has a pretty decent concept that they're kind of milking and they do some funny things in the movie that break reality a little bit that I really like uh, like like the the fourth wall kind of thing which I think is pretty interesting yeah, in this movie it is interesting it adds to it it makes it silly and a little more memorable when you do that I think and I I think that's where it got its identity is is when it started doing that kind of stuff and that's kind of how I remember this movie they um yeah, jokes aren't that great, <laughs> but it's silly fun. And and I found a character in the movie that reminded me of one of my friends. So I like shot a video of him and I was like, yo, dude, you're in this movie. And it's like right before he's like all the girls are stripping to get in. The- there is a lot of tits in this movie. Like, yeah. I mean, if you guys are every woman, you know, every girl who is in this film, if this is someone. your first time seeing a titty, you're going to get like 20 different titties. In this movie, <laughs> multiple times, and all those close-up shots too. Like they zoom in, you can see the camera zooming in on that part. They're all grandparents now. They got some psych out like booby uh, reveals too, where they like trick you to think that they're gonna show boobies, oh, and yeah, then they don't. they don't. Yeah, they do that like two or three times in the movie. So I don't know what they're doing. They're like, you know, a mid jerk. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my god. Nobody cares. So I don't know what they're thinking, but yeah. His dad, by the way, was the one that wanted him to put more boobs in the movie. Oh my god. I know. Can you imagine your dad saying that to you? No. It's I don't know, son. I think this one needs more tits. <laughs> <laughs> Could you grab a few more people, throw them in there, you know? Mix them up, make them a titty salad. Jesus. Anyway, so it's the 80s. This was kind of the the preferred thing, like, you know, because at the time in like the late 70s and stuff like that, a lot of these movies wouldn't be shown in the mainstream. They would be shown alongside of the sexploitation movies. VHS. Well, I'm just saying in general, like before that in theaters, Uh they didn't really take these movies seriously and they would put a lot of these ones just with the porno movies. Right. Because they were... Yo, you don't do that. It was against society. That's why everybody always has issues with horror movies, but because they're easy to make and easier to like break the disbelief, mm-hmm. and people just accept it because they just want to see something wild. But right, yeah, it's a fun movie if you kind of like this spoofy kind of fun. That is like, like I said, reminds me a lot of Hobgoblins. I would highly uh, recommend it if you like Hobgoblins. You'll probably be like this with a little bit more of a concept. So you already did yours. Yeah. You got to score it. I would give this movie like a six out of 10. Oh, lower than me. That's strange. I mean, it happens. I, I don't know. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just, it just makes me think of how often I would reach for it. Like I definitely wouldn't mind watching it with a group of friends. Like that's kind of like how this movie is. Right. You know, you don't have to pay that close of attention to it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even writing down a lot of notes, to be honest, uh, until something would like make me laugh or. We would find something that was funny or something like that or some of the like moments that we just enjoyed. But yeah, I was just kind of engaged with it. So I think it's good. And I'm happy that Slate gave it to us. So thank you, dude. Uh, the score is higher than it really would be because no, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> no, I'm I'm surprised that you really like it though, Christina. I wasn't thinking you were gonna get into it. Yeah. I'm surprised. So that's like six point five between the two of us. These damn horror comedies, dude. It is very low budget, guys. So don't go into this expecting fucking cabin in the woods or anything. Okay. <laughs> like calm the fuck down. Okay. <laughs> like this is like shoestring budget kind of like, you know, movies that, you know, this is like their first feature film. Right. So just remember that if you're, you're okay with that kind of thing and you, you can kind of withstand that kind of schlockiness, then you'll be okay. The way that you can watch this movie, it is, it's kind of hard to get like to online, like, you know, digitally or whatever, but you can pick up a copy from Vinegar Syndrome if you would like. They have a two disc 20th anniversary edition. Um, there is a trauma version as well, but I think the Vinegar Syndrome one does it well. And I think it's you can get it on its website still right now. I'll include a link down below if you're interested in picking it up. <coughs> it's 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 becoming more rare as it as it gets uh, you know longer that's yeah. been out. Yeah, and Vinegar Syndrome only does a certain amount of run. They must have like gotten some of the rights from Trauma to do this because this was initially a Trauma release. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, there might be a copy up on YouTube that I wasn't able to find or something like that. But mm-hmm. you know. I think it's worth watching to see if you like. But we do have some trivia for this movie that I think you will enjoy. There's some pretty interesting stuff I found. Oh, let's. what is it? All right, so if you don't want anything spoiled, here is your warning. Um, I kind of wanted to touch back on the whole Scream thing because I figured we'd get that out of the way a little bit earlier on. Uh, there really isn't that much that, that I would say compares to it otherwise, but do you think that, that Wes Craven... Might have seen this film and gotten the idea. Or yes. Do you really honestly? Yeah, I really do. But just because some of the jokes and just some of the things he did, mm-hmm. like like you could tell that it was used in Scream. Not right. like threat, th- th- like you said, not like theft. You know, it's, there's no copyright shit, but it's just kind of like, oh, makes you think. Well, I feel like, you know, the whole analytical looking at horror movies from this lens of tropes and things like that stems from like the 70s and 80s and like everything that they did in the 80s with horror movies because it became very tropic right like super tropic and in the 90s we were very kind of winding down from all of that right because you you need to do something different right and that's why scream was so popular is because it was so different it was way mainstream it was taking it was making mainstream making old underground movies mainstream by taking the tropes and borrowing from it. And this movie had the foresight to know that. But the reason why is because he was writing this script when he was like 14 or 15 years old. Wow. Right. He wrote like he said he wrote like three or four pages really quick. And then he started and he got to at least like 10. And then he realized that he just. It just wasn't working. He knew that he wanted to do a slasher movie or a creature feature movie. Uh, and he wasn't sure which one he wanted to do. He just wanted to pick the one that would be more wild and have more stuff that he could work with. So he decided to do the creature oh, okay. creature feature part of it than, mm-hmm. than the slasher one, which I, I kind of agree with because like slashers are very cut and dry right. for the most part. Aesthetically, they may be like really cool. And they may be really frightening and dark in some areas like that and suspenseful and stuff like that. But I think with a creature, it's kind of a little more wilder. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just, I don't know. Right. There's just a thing about, like, slashers and how they are. Mm-hmm. They're, I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to take away from slashers. I'm just saying there's 
they kind of fit in this particular box where if you use a creature, it's kind of like all over the fucking place. But yeah, he was in school, uh, in high school. His parents got him, his mom made him take a screenwriter's course. His mom was a, a theater actor. His dad was a filmmaker, did editing and stuff like that. I didn't really look too far into what he had done. It seemed like he had surpassed his father in some degree, but his father didn't really want him to do uh, any kind of filmmaking because oh, really? because he knew that it was kind of like a dead end thing. Oh, it's but he also to, knew yeah. that he was passionate about it, too, and that he wasn't going to stop his son. So what he did is he tried to get him to work with trauma. <laughs> that to, would deter him. That would, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He literally said that because they do an interview with him and his father. And he's oh, really wow. he's really respectful to his father. Like his father would be very open and honest and interrupt oh. him and like, you know. <laughs> and it, it's he's just older, you know what I mean? And he was mm-hmm. just like he would just let him it was just cool, like the dynamics between the two of them. Um and I think it's probably because he has so much respect for him because his father supported it. Not not only mm-hmm. did they support his filmmaking, he they actually helped produce this film. Oh, that's cool. You know, they put a lien on the house. Oh, wow. Like, they put a fucking... Uh, not a lien, a fucking... You know, they, they... Yeah, they took a loan out on the house. Yeah, they took a loan out on the house to get the extra money to, to make this. Mm-hmm. Which is just saying something, man. Like, that's that's really cool. Damn. And these both of these movies, by the way, are around the $25,000, $30,000 mark. So, I think they did more in this movie than they did that one, but the mm-hmm. sets were more... In the first movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> but I just thought it was interesting. So he was a little shaken up about trying to write this movie, and he didn't feel like he had the chops. So he just started renting and watching all these fucking horror movies, you know? Mm-hmm. And, he, and he really started kind of getting annoyed with the tropes that he found in these movies. And that's why he latched on to the idea of a guy who, what if there was a character that was omnipresent of what was going on? Right. And was telling people that you shouldn't do this because all these horror movies are telling you not to do this. And they're treating him like he's crazy. And they're treating him like he's crazy. He's like, well, what, what if we did that? And that'd be, and that's when it blew up. So when he was about, I think it was like 18, 19, he started like fleshing it out. And then his parents had the money. And then they were like, let's make this movie. They got some investors. And <clears throat> like two of the three, one of the three backed out. And then they had to put a, you know, put a loan on their home just to get the rest of the money to make this. And they just went for it. And I thought that was just really cool. That is cool. And he was so young. You know, he's right. doing a feature film by 18. That's pretty fucking good. Even if it, I mean, this isn't a, a, an amazing movie, but it's pretty well done for somebody that young who obviously learned how to screenwrite. So any of you out there who are thinking about trying to better yourself about writing, I would highly recommend doing a screenwriting class. You can take them usually and get even certifications for them, I think. Um, you obviously want to take as many as you can. Like, there's college classes that you can take that'll fine-tune your craft. But taking a screenwriting class in general will help you to get some ideas out so you don't feel conflicted with if you're doing this right or wrong. You can just mm-hmm. let it flow. So he did that at 15. So if he can do wow. that at 15 at a college level, you could do it at 45. Yeah, you can do it at 45. So, oh, yeah, that's right. Like We were talking about the father and how he forced him to go work. He got him the job at Troma working on the movie Troma's War. Oh, okay. Which is a pretty, is an in-between movie that, like, there was some, like, I don't know. They had, they were booming kind of around this time. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of work, and I'm sure it wasn't a lot of money. Right. <laughs> if any at all. 
Uh, but he just wanted the experience. So he did it. And he was like, you know, I thought it would have thwarted you from wanting to go into the industry, but it just kind of <laughs> made it Pushed worse. You. Yeah. So he did say that the movie was, the director said that the movie was inspired by Siskel and Ebert's episode where they were putting down other slasher films. Mm-hmm. So he thought, I wonder if I could come up with an exploitation film that would be a slasher or that thing. Oh. Because he said that there is quality there where Siskel and Ebert just were just denying it. Right. He's also talking about some of the things that happened in the movie where they break the fourth wall, like the boom gag, the boom mic gag. Yeah. They went into weird. They went into detail about that and why he did that. Originally, it was supposed to be a chandelier, which is kind of tropic. And, oh, okay. In like you know, like action or whatever movies. He grabs onto a chandelier and swings. Well, they didn't have that. So they were like, well, what else could we do? And he was like, well, what if we just use the boom mic? You know, we've already had him stare at the camera once. <laughs> so he grabbed onto the boom mic and everybody loved it. Yeah. Remember when we were watching it and I was like, was that the mic from the movie? Yeah. Or is like, that was like, it was that like an 80s. Yeah, like speaker. I was like, is that like? A no, they totally lowered it on like, purpose. Oh my, yeah. yeah, it was. It was funny. But it, there was also that scene in the movie where the guy like he's like, come on, man, who's saying this isn't a movie? She's like, sir, you saying that we're in a movie right now? And he's like, and then he stares at the camera. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, we definitely could we be. Could be. <laughs> and he looks right at the camera, which I loved. Um, but yeah, he said that they did that. Everybody, all of the audiences always mentioned the boom mic. Right. And all of their. <laughs> oh, you, every screening. Yes. Um all of the stunt work and everything like that was done by the the character, the actors, except oh, wow. for, for when they fell. They had a stuntman for that. But they had no choreographers or anything like that for the fight scenes or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you could tell. <laughs> yeah. He said he wanted it to be kind of like the Pink Panther. <laughs> he mentioned Abbott and Costello because he used to do little stories of Abbott and Costello when he was mm-hmm. six years old that his mom would translate and write down on paper. Oh, wow. And his dad loved him and was like, wow, you're really creative. This is actually pretty good. And his mom one day, <clears throat> she didn't like what he was writing about Abbott and Costello. So she started to write it. And he was like, this one's not as good, you know, Rolf. Why Why did this one so different? And he's like, well, that's the one that mom decided to change and write. And he's like, oh. <laughs> I was like, wow, dude, that's harsh. Emotional damage. <laughs> originally the script was supposed to be just like a frog alligator kind of thing but then it kind of like morphed into this sort of like manta ray like a stingray fucking i don't know what the frog yeah like it had wings but it had tentacles for arms (laughs) so i don't know it was like octopus arms it was weird yeah it had sucker mouth on it on the lip on the yeah yeah it was really weird the first time the movie premiered was that they said 1990, but I had heard it was also in, it was 89, but they did it at a Fango convention, like one of the. Fangoria? Yeah. One of the big ones. Oh, okay. It was like a festival for like all these movies and stuff. And this was like in the height of it. Uh-huh. Cause you mean, you think about the eighties. Oh yeah. This was like boom, boom, boom central, like mm-hmm. where everything was popping off. And, uh. They had the Fango convention where Sam Raimi was actually there and he was doing his dark man movie. Oh, okay. Um, this is when I wanted to go out. Like, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. they started to get really big. Like, cause I read Fango my whole, you know, when I was a kid and everything. Fangoria? Yeah. Do you shorten it to Fango? That's what everybody calls it. What do you think? Oh, thinking? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. What the fuck? 
Just leave. I never called it that. I've never heard anyone call it that. Fango? Are you serious? Yes. Well, then you're something wrong with you. Anyway, Sam Raimi was there showing his Dark Man movie, and uh, their film was the last film of the entire festival. Like, literally the last, which means that nobody was there hardly. He said, but people were in the theater and they were just laughing so much at some of the movie, laughing at the movie so much that people started hearing it, the laughter in the lobby and more and more people started coming in. And then their film became really, really popular after that because so many people were just like having fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it kind that of blew helps. up because of the laughter, which is kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. And that gave them the right to go to other festivals, you know, to run, you know, and, they didn't really get any kind of distribution or theatrical distribution until later. And uh, I think they even their last, they didn't get that much theatrical distribution anyway. But HBO did pick them up for oh. like digital and like, you know, cable TV. And I think digital. Uh, well, <laughs> I, well, I'm saying cable. cable. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, I mean, it's technically, you know what I mean? Like whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they also put out the VHS tape and stuff. I think it was HBO. Or one of their sister companies. You know what I mean? What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to look up to see if they have it on VHS. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they do somewhere. But Eli Roth actually caught this on one of the festivals in New York. Oh, really? Because he was going to NYU at the time. And they later found out that, that, that he really enjoyed the film. Oh, wow. So I just thought it was funny. They thought it was a cute story that he just kind of went on his own. It was just like during that time. Mm-hmm. They did write a sequel for this movie as well, and it was going to be called There's Still Nothing Out There. Oh, man. Which he said uh, he's down to do, or like the spinoff that they were thinking about doing, which it would have been called This Isn't Funny Anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. (laughs) I I thought that was funny. Uh, Just so you know, the VHS is between... Fifty and ninety dollars. Yeah, it's rare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, we have a bunch of rare ones too. We do. So if I knew at the time that I could have gotten a lot of these rare VHS and shit like that, I would have picked them up from the video video stores a I million know, I times. Just thrown them away. Well, I don't think I didn't ever threw any movies away. You out of your mind? Mm-hmm. You threw movies away? No, I donated them. You lie. Your story changed real quick when I fucking called I you out. I thrown them away. Uh, I can't remember. I don't remember. What I don't know. You said you had a bad relationship and that you threw a lot of his stuff out or whatever. And you didn't want it. Well, I sold a lot of his stuff, too. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it for the uh, trivia. I just thought it was. Those were pretty fun little stories. It was great. And it had. Dude, the extras in the Vinegar Syndrome thing is, like, huge. Like, yeah. they have. For both of the films, technically, the, the other one had a lot of extras, too, like interviews, and they had some shorts for the strangeness, I haven't, which I didn't get to watch. And then for this one, they had, like, three or four of his shorts. Mm-hmm. Like, in the beginning of the movie, when the girl's watching on the, the television, and they, had, they have that, she's in a video store, mm-hmm. she's watching one of his short films. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I called... I was wondering what that was. It was called, like, Listen, Listen to It, and... Uh, they were had that on the screen. Oh, quick story. If I, I actually just forgot about this. Um, the that movie, that short film that they did called Listen to It or Listen to This. Mm-hmm. Can't remember now. <clears throat> he made that in, in college. Like he 
they had like a lottery system to be able to go into college. And so he couldn't get in. And then he showed them that he actually has been making movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of pushed him up the list to get into school. Oh, that's good. So he finally got in and like nobody was doing anything in the school because there was like nobody finishing any of the films or anything like that. They were doing a lot of abstract shit because the professor was like into like the oh. super artsy, like pointless. Not, I don't want to say pointless, but like non-narrative stuff. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. understand what they, that's yeah. what they put it as. And he was literally the only person in the class that actually finished the assignment. And the teacher stood up and goes, see, see how simple it is to make a stupid narrative story. <laughs> this is garbage. Oh, my God. Essentially, like just shitting on it, uh-huh. which is funny because while the professor was saying how it was garbage, he was taking it to people in the film industry who were like, yeah, we'll hire you for stuff like this. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Right, right. And so that's how his his interest became. He went to it seems like he went to college really early at like 17 years of age. I don't know. It's just funny that they just shit all over it like that. But damn, happens, I guess. I like the intro of the movie, though. It's kind yeah, of fun. Yeah, I do, too. She's working in a video store. It's so cool to see a video store. Right. In the eight, like, well, it's just eight nostalgia eight overload right there, dude. Yeah, dude. Like, it, I went, going into a little store like that just as like. Yeah, it wasn't a blockbuster. Oh, my it God, like I missed that so much. Yeah, it was like a mom and pop VHS store. Right. And then this creature comes out of nowhere and tries- it's not a creature. It's a it's a, just a slasher. It's just a guy with a knife. Oh yeah, that's oh god, I keep getting confused. <laughs> yeah, it was a guy with a knife. It was a black glove killer. Oh okay. Okay, so he was just trying to follow the tropes of a slasher. Okay, probably an Italian slasher because he probably watched a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And they keep showing like the covers, like she keeps moving into um, positions that a lot of the VHS covers were showing. Right. So the, how she was acting, like falling down, crawling back. They show rats, nights of terror. They showed like uh, a bunch of different stuff, like meat or uh, what was it called? Um, I don't know. The mutilator. Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Yeah. They had a bunch of different ones that they showed on the screen. And then like the tape goes over top of her. Like they, somebody's like stringing up tape. Yeah. She, so she gets caught in all this. Like, yeah. The right. VHS tape. And then she gets up and runs out the back door. And then doesn't she get killed or something like that? No, she oh, falls backwards. That's right. And then the thing. And then she goes into her car. Or no. And then she wakes up and she's in her car. She's driving. Yeah. She took a nap. While driving. So it was a dream. (laughs) And she's like, oh, shit. And then slams into a tree. And then she's like, oh, my God, I'm alive. I'm in my dad's car, but I'm alive. I'm really fucked right now. I'm alive, though. And she's trying to start up her car and something like drops down into a puddle next to her. And it's a fucking it's the creature. And it, it like it's like sticking its suction cups up on the on the window and shit like that. And she like locks the door. And then eventually it jumps on the hood and she's trying to start the car and it's like bashing out all the windows and it falls through the front of the car. And then she, you know, screams. And then the the next scene is like college kids or yeah, not they, college, well, high they school roll kids. They roll the credit, you know, the beginning credits. And then, yeah, college kids are driving right. through. And wait, they- wait, before we do that, though, what did you think of the intro, the music and stuff? Oh, it was cool. It's like they do the like it's like a green sort of like Doctor Who tunnel. Wee! Oh yeah, right. That's but right. it's like it's like '90s music, like electronic music, and mm-hmm. it's early, early '90s. Yeah, it's really kind of silly, mm-hmm. like really homemade kind of shit. You know what I mean? But it kind of has like this vibe to it that I really like, mm-hmm. which is like kind of separate. It, it kind of separates you from the movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. I saw it was a trauma team release, and I was like, 
Oh, great. Ding, 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 ding. great. It's a trauma movie. Hey, man, there's some good trauma <laughs> movies. What are you talking about? I know. I'm just you I'm, start saying shit I'm like that. Su- I'm gonna force you to watch a I bunch. I was surprised. That's all. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Hey, that was a time in our lives that we watched a lot of that stuff. I haven't kept up with them a long time. Mm-hmm. Be honest with you. Is right? it still going? Are they still? Yeah, hundred percent. They've done like some return of the return to Nukem High. Oh. They did like three movies of that, like Return to Newcomb High. So they've got like a, a sextilogy of Yay. of those movies. Yeah. But the earlier original three, I like a lot, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen the other ones. So, um, oh, you're just happy, aren't you? You're just a happy, ha. happy person. Ha. Um, so it's spring break. Kids are getting out of school. Their teacher's giving them shit for not doing their assignment, even though there's literally 38 seconds left in the school year before spring break takes off. And the kids get out and they're like, hey, we're going to the, you know, cabin. The cabin in the woods. Yeah, we're going to go out there and we're going to have a blast. Yeah, we're going to have so much sex. Yeah. I'm going to have sex with my girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, it's so hot. They decide to bring Mike along, who's the tag-along guy, because he's, like, really into horror movies. And they pass the accident that we saw in the beginning of the movie. That's the first sign. Right. That's what he says. And he's like, that's an omen. I'm not going. Let me out here now. I don't want to (laughs) go. This is bad news, guys. This is bad news. We got to go home. And they're like, oh, calm down, man. We haven't even gotten there yet. You're, like, freaking out. And he's right the whole time, because, like, they shouldn't have gone. Right. There's like three couples, by the way. There's there's seven people, three couples. I would not want to be that guy. Right. God, that would suck. It's a lot of masturbating and crying. (laughs) No, you you would be like the guy from Cabin in the Woods who would just like bring your own pot and you you would just be getting high the entire time. (laughs) Right, right, right. Wasn't that five of them, right? It was like two couples and a... Uh, Yeah. Yeah. A tag along. Yeah, he was that guy. Right. He was the pothead guy, kind of. Yeah, he was a pothead guy. He's not a pothead in the movie, but I'm just saying, like, because they they kept to you know stereotypes, jocks, preppy. So those are three films that are all like in the same realm, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um. So they get to the house and they're they're getting settled and they turned off the alarm, right? And then these punks pull up and start skinny dipping in the pond <laughs> yeah which was not in the cabin. original script that's the part where the dad wanted him to have more titties in the film see i and they don't even show up like anywhere else in yeah the they movie. do when when they were swimming the three like there was like three of them that were swimming across the the pond because remember the, like the punk kids show up and they're like this is the cabin by the river right or by the lake and he's like no this is the house by the pond <laughs> Which is such a the dumb camp, joke. The lake, the lake by the camp, and he, yeah, he was like, "No, this is the the cabin by the pond." Yeah, <laughs> whatever, it's stupid. But yeah, they do meet up with them later when they get try to escape. Three of them are trying to escape. The guy and oh, the, I don't remember. Yeah, the I, the I girl that's with the the sort of um, tomboy girl that's wearing the bathing suit the whole, the whole time. time. Yeah, and then the guy with the red shirt whose house it is. Okay, I don't. And then Mike, they all go swimming across the lake or the the pond because they see that guy get taken down. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing over here?" And then he he's like, got the like he's got the mullet and the sunglasses and the mustache. I thought that was the plumber. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the punks didn't show back up. You're right. 
And I was like, why? That would have been cool. Because I was like, yes, punks. I love it when punks are in movies. You know, in movies. Especially <laughs> well, like 80s movies. Yes. Well, you would have to say they weren't really punks. They were alternatives. Oh, they were alternative. No, it was 91. They were punks. They were alternative. No, they were punks. Okay. Well, whatever. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so so so, th- so that was the dad's idea to put that scene in. Yeah, it was okay. it was his idea. Then they go back. They have dinner that night, and they're talking about Mike's being annoying, of course, and constantly telling him about all the different tropes and how they shouldn't go off and do dumb shit in the middle of the woods, like skinny dip at night, or yeah, walk into the woods like at night for no reason, like any of the stereotypical stuff, like go off to have sex. Like, doesn't he, like, at one point in time get locked in the basement and he's all by himself? He's like, wait, I'm by myself. Right. (laughs) But anyway, so they're having dinner and they're arguing over some noise that they hear and they find, like, a pan's overturned and they're like, why is the pan overturned? And the girl's like, it's my chicken. And and he's and it's covered in slime and some green slime. She's like, "You did this, didn't you? Because you didn't like my chicken." <laughs> and then she goes and washes the dishes. Like, fuck you! I would have made him wash the goddamn dishes if I thought. Jesus. Anyway, so they're like, they don't realize they're like talking about the pan for a while, and then one of the girls is like, "Oh, it's a bear! It's a bear!" And then everybody decides to go off and fuck and then go on a walk. Go and like, dipping, yeah, go for a walk. There's like this other couple that go out and uh, it's like this nerdy guy and this like foreign exchange student that go out into the woods or whatever to go. What did they go do? Just to go walk because he had a flashlight. And then, uh, yeah, and then they go walking and then they got attacked by the green thing. Right. He does first. And then it's like biting on his face. That's when we first get to see the creature. And it's just kind of like jumping on him and like, you hear these noises like that. And it's like, it looks like a manta ray or a fucking stingray or whatever. And like I say manta ray, what is that? Is that a shark? I'm not even sure. Yeah, it's not a shark. It's a like a stingray almost. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I think so. But its face is like upwards. So like the nose part, you wouldn't, wouldn't be down. So it kind of looks like a frog. I don't know. It's weird. But it's like biting him and shit and kills him. And then the girl finally runs off by herself. But then she gets attacked. And then they don't come home that night. So nobody even questions anything because half of them went to go fuck. And (laughs) some of the sex scenes, by the way, were pretty funny. Oh, that's when he got locked in the basement, too. So he was locked in the basement all night until they got up to make breakfast the next morning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's the guy who owns the house and his girlfriend are having sex. They have this really awkward conversation, though. Remember? She was like, you just going to stare? Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm just checking out the the goods. <laughs> and he's got his hand down his pants, which is just like really like awkward. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Right. What is, what's going on? <laughs> then meanwhile, the other girl is with the guy in the shower or whatever. And he was wearing like this vest. And at first I started making fun of him. And then I remembered that I used to wear vests <laughs> at around that time. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this guy wearing? Oh, yeah, I used to wear shit like that. <laughs> I can show you pictures like where I had. I, I, I used I to wear. See. I used to wear a bolo with a vest. Oh, my God. Were you trying to be like Bono? I don't know what I was doing. But, yeah, I mean, I listened to a lot of fucking alternative music around that time. Shit. I don't know. (laughs) I was listening to Goth and fucking, you know, fucking Nitzareb and fucking Morrissey and fucking The Cure. (laughs) 
I don't know. <laughs> Plus, I was listening to hip hop and shit like that too. Yeah. The beast looks like this like triangle shaped creature with like two arms for tentacles, sort of like like I said, like the stingray. It's just weird shape. I don't know how they came up with the idea. It's just really weird. And I don't even know how it caught up to the girl and killed her before they, you know what I mean? Like, I still don't understand how it's like, how can it even move? Well, it has like octopus arms, so. Yeah, but that would be really because slow. Because at one point he like tied it to a tree, like with its arms, like around the trunk of the tree, remember? You're not speaking into the mic. Sorry. I keep moving. At one point they took his octopus arms and tied him the arms around yeah, the trunk of the tree. That's remember? right. Yeah, yeah. That was really silly. Right. There was that scene where the the couple that was fucking in the shower or whatever, the vest guy. Who the fuck gets into the shower and then turns it on? I like, get... that was so unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're like, who the fuck does that? Yeah, she turned it on immediately. I'm like, ooh, Like, cold. no, you gotta let that shit warm up a little bit. <laughs> you gotta put your hand under it. You don't just turn it on it's and get in. It's <laughs> That's some wild, crazy shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's the, uh, the that couple that are in the shower that the vest guy and her go out into the lake to go skinny dipping and they jump in and first of all i'm like it's not even a lake it was the pond, pond right yeah. yeah which is just scummy and just ugh. Ugh. like i just would not want to swim like recycled sewer water yeah like ugh, through the mush yeah i don't even know what's it ugh. it just makes me nervous i don't know why but they make out you know they go swimming but the fucking creature is like fucking thwarted by running into a rake and so it like goes the wrong way and they're able to escape and go back to the house mm-hmm. and uh, they like they heard it but they just dis- dismiss it and decide to have sex on the fucking living room floor next to the fire and that's when the creature pops up and the mic guy who's like fully dressed in hockey gear is like there so they both see the creature she doesn't know if she saw it or not Mike totally saw it but nobody believes him including the girl who just doesn't say a goddamn thing. And then they're like looking around the house for it and they go down in the basement to try to find it. And they, I think they found slime or something like that, but then they like a cat just drops out of nowhere, like from the ceiling and then the, and then to the girl's arms. And she was like, Oh, it's got green eyes. And she was like, I saw green eyes. And then they write it off as the cat. And he's like, wait a second. Where did this fucking cat come from? Out of the middle of the fucking ceiling? Like, what the fuck? That's and it, funny. it's making fun of horror movies, mm-hmm. which Scream is kind of doing, too. Yeah. So, not the funniest joke, but, yeah. you know, it's ha funny. Well, they kept trying to do jump scares, too, which I thought was, you know, tropey and entertaining. Mm-hmm. They end up locking Mike down in the basement. That's where they, <laughs> because they're tired of his shit. So they're like, the jockiest guy locks him down there uh, for being annoying while the creature attacks him in like silly ways down there in the basement. And then of course, you know, more people get attacked that night and one of them gets melted because that's the guy who locked him down there because the creature spits on him to secrete like a digestive green substance, mm-hmm. like the fly, you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't remember. You, re- you don't remember the fly Cronenberg's no. the fly. Nope. Really? Yep. Oh, we need to watch those. Put it on a list. I think we did the fly before, but if you've never seen the fly, Christina, I just don't remember. I think I've seen it, but I just you would remember the fly. Okay, then I guess not. It's a remake of the original from like black and white. Anyway, but he he has this digestive green shit that he spits on people, 
and then it melts them and you see this cool melting scene where his face is like melting and the funniest part for me was that after they melt the motherfucker down mike's like ooh, gross and the girl's like the girlfriend doesn't know that he's died and he's like she's like where's where's eric or whatever his fucking name is and he's like oh he's melted in the other room and she's like what melted and she's <laughs> like he's totally insensitive of the whole fucking thing because he doesn't care because he's like you guys should have listened to me i've been trying to tell you that this shit has been happening and nobody wants to listen to me <laughs> so this is what happens they decide that they realize now what the creature is doing that the creature is secreting like melting it down so it can eat him and and they're like well i didn't get any green slime on me the girls and he's like i wonder what they're for and then they like look at each other <laughs> obviously to impregnate them to reproduce yeah like what the fuck and then he possesses he possesses those girls with his eyes the green eyes glow and it possesses the girls to do his bidding Mm -hmm. and so there's a bunch of fights with the girls with that weird it was really weird they do it a couple i mean yeah it's totally different like that's the wild shit that's going on in this movie it shoots like lasers, and if you look at it, that's how you get controlled by He's like, don't look at it in the eyes! <laughs> There's, like, two of the girls. One of the girls is possessed. One of the other girls is fighting her, and they're rolling around on the floor while the green blob thing is fighting the other girl who didn't die because she shows up from being lost in the woods after that one guy Earlier. got eaten. Yeah. Then she gets possessed, and then they mm-hmm. start, you know, everybody. it's like, Jesus Everybody's Christ. possessed! <laughs> And titties are flying everywhere. Everybody's shirt comes off. Well, there's this cool scene where the one girl who's possessed gets thrown through the plate glass window door Mm -hmm. and it breaks out the bottom and then the top part slices her head off. Yeah. It like slides down and cuts her head off. Yeah, it just beheaded her. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I I did too. It's stupid. You knew it was a fake. Oh, yeah, it was obvious. A wig and shit. They kept the the doll's head on the screen way too long. (laughs) Like, in that moment, like, he was like, yeah, clearly a doll. But it's funny. If they would have smashed her through and been like, ah, right instantly, it would have made more sense. But the girl from the, the, the night who came back, she gets killed off. They somehow figure out a plan to try to trap this fucking creature and that it's attracted to light, which makes no sense to me. I don't know how they figured yeah, that out. No, it was shaving cream, too. Yeah, they, they put shaving cream all over the place. They put mirrors yeah. All over the place so that they can bounce light off on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's like crawling around the floor on the shaving cream and like following the light and then like jumping up on the wall and shit like that. And then they have it set up so that it goes to go into the oven and it jumps in the oven through the mirror and then jumps between his legs, by the way. And then he locks, she shuts the oven door, but it busts its little tentacle out of the the window that you can look in to see that the food's cooked or not. Mm-hmm. And it grabs the girl by the hair and then uses its lasers on her and her eyes. He's like, don't look, don't look. She gets, a, she gets turned into possessed or whatever. And she starts attacking her boyfriend, trying to stab him with a knife. And then he knees her right in the fucking, <laughs> right in the pussy, <laughs> right in the crotch. And that's when the oven explodes. Right. Just explodes for no reason, which is weird. I didn't really understand that. Was it gas? He did turn the gas all the way up. He had it open for so long. Yeah. Well, they had turned know. it on before they even ex- before the whole uh, montage. Well, you know, it's a horror movie, so there you go. Yeah, I guess you're right. They actually did that explosion inside of a house, too. 
a real house? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. That's what they were saying. But the three survivors, they get in the plumber's van to leave, and the kid whose parents' cabin that is, he throws a rock through the window. He's like, Well, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. And throws a rock through the window. And then the alarm starts going off, and then they're like, hey, what is that? And he's like, that's the alarm to the house. He's like, wait a second. You mean to tell me that we could have thrown a rock through a window at any point in time and had the cops there, guns ablazing? And he's like, yep. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck, man? That was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> to, point, to point out, you know, the obvious. Like, why wouldn't they have done that from the start? Yeah. Right. I like that. Another tropic kind of thing, which is what they have to do with phones now. They have to explain them away or people get upset. I don't have any service. But so they were driving away, right? Right. And, and then this, this hitchhiker pops out of nowhere and it's, it's the, the lady, woman from the beginning. The lady from the beginning who was in the car accident. And they let her in and she's like, oh, I hit my head. I, I thought have... she was a ghost at first. <laughs> I'm like, is she a ghost coming in? I thought, did she die? Because I thought she was dead. Yeah, I thought she was dead too. But no, she was like, oh, I must have knocked myself out. I must have been out for days. In the in the forest for like 24 hours. Right. And they're like, wait, are your eyes green? And her, yes, my eyes are hazel. And then they show her throwing her out of the car. She's like, but they've been this way since birth. And they're like, (laughs) throw her out of a moving vehicle. Chuck her out. And that was the end of the movie. They're like, I ain't fucking around with this shit no more. They finally take Mike seriously. You know? Right, it was funny. Yeah, it was. It's a fun movie. You know, it's, it's fun. It's silly. I think if you're like a huge fan of Scream, like a huge fan, like you really should watch this movie. So I don't know. See, so you could see what we mean. If you love the concept of that, yeah, I just don't. I mean, I don't think this is going to be for everybody. Well, no. But we liked it, so I mean, maybe other people but will if too. If you're an avid fan of Scream, I'm not arguing with you. What are you yelling at me for? <laughs> Listen to me. God I'm, damn it. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. Everybody that likes Scream, you're going to love this movie. So if, <laughs> if if she's wrong, you can I take it out on her. I didn't say that. I didn't say you love it. I wasn't even arguing I with said, you. Well, you just keep talking and talking. That's what a podcast is, Christina. Oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> Fucking take offense to it. Jesus. I wasn't dismissing you. I was just simply saying that not every Scream fan is going to like this movie because a lot of people can't wrap their heads around just independent films in general. I know. And that's a very mainstream movie that you're attaching to it. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's why I say they might not like it. They might think it's pure garbage. Okay. So fuck you. Fuck you too. (laughs) Anyway, so that's pretty much it for the episode this week. And next week, we're going to be doing some movies in the folk category. And we're going to be titling it. We're going to be doing it for a couple of weeks just to try them out. Like I said, the first week, we're going to be picking two movies, which are Allison's Birthday from 1981 mm-hmm. and Eyes of Fire from 1983. Great. Right. Which, 80s movies. Both of these movies <laughs> are Shudder movies that you can watch on Shudder under their folk category. So I would highly recommend you check that category out. And then the following, so for this week, or is it, are we going to do it this week week or next week? Oh, yeah. So next week when we do this on Wednesday, we'll have you guys, we'll put up like a poll or something and ask you what we should watch. 
Uh, maybe we'll do it the same day as that we do it to, for what we're, what they should watch next week. But we want you guys to pick like the next two movies that we watch. So whatever movies are have the most votes or picks out of that category, that way we can watch them with you guys. We'll watch them and review them. There's a lot in there that we haven't seen. If we have seen it, we'll let you know. Yeah, because there are older ones that they consider folk, but I don't. I wouldn't say that they are necessarily. But yeah, that's what's next week. So if you hope you guys will check that out with us and see what, you know, try to open our horizons, you know, widen, what, what do they say? Widen our horror eyes. They widen our horror eyes up a little bit and horror it up, you know, with some horror. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, just saying, you know, widen our horizons a little bit. Try to figure out what, you know, what folk horror is all about. We're going to watch a documentary that's up on uh, Shutter as well to just kind of get ourselves better acclimated with it and do a little research on our own. And then we're going to watch these other movies and see what that's all about and see what we think of those as well. So and then the next week we'll pick what your two are. And then after that, we're going to do something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. There's a bunch of things that I've been wanting to do. I've been wanting to watch Darkman 1 through 3. We have the trilogy. I would love to watch those. If I want to do Scream franchise, I want to do a ton of stuff. So we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for coming by this week. And as always, long live the boys.